0: members welcome back for another episode of Gada tv we hope you had a wonderful fourth of july last episode we talked about registration being open for this year's Gada annual convention which will take place in beautiful san diego california from october 5th to the 8th 2022. joining us first to talk about this year's incredible convention program is Gada's 2022 president bob ewing bob thank you so much for being back with us today Bob, can you give viewers a sneak peek of this year's convention and tell us why you're so excited about it? I think we're
1: expecting a great turnout again this year. We have uh, really good content lined up and an awesome venue, um, and uh, I think a great theme focus. So I'm expecting to have, as usual a Gato event, um, we're gonna get, have some great networking opportunities, um, have really good support from distributors and suppliers across the country and get to, get to enjoy each other's company while we uh, digest some really good take-home content.
0: This year's convention theme is building a bridge to future leaders. Can you tell us about how you came up with that theme and how you've structured the conference around that idea?
1: Well, the theme of, of, of our entire year this year has been about mentorship. And so I wanted to, to be sure that we emphasize that. And when we plan this meeting, we intentionally uh, skewed our, our planning committee towards some younger folks so that we could hear some voices from young and emerging professionals about how they experience these meetings and what kinds of content and events uh, they would like to participate in. And it definitely did uh, change you know, some of the content. I think we're gonna have content that will be of great interest to uh, uh, all of our professionals, but particularly young and emerging professionals who are trying to navigate a career in our industry and, and figure out what next steps are and uh, figure out a way to articulate to leadership in their companies uh, what, their, what their needs and requirements for professional development are. So um, one thing we emphasize is that this bridge that we're building for future leaders has to be built from both ends. Um, this is a, a situation where um, established leaders have got to reach out and maybe Uh, uh, change or at least adapt some of their current mindsets about how to develop young leaders. And at the same time, uh, young leaders have to start building the bridge from their end and communicating their needs and requirements and uh, letting us know where there's a a disjunction there so that we can build the bridge together and and get all of our respective member companies and this industry as a whole in really good shape for the next generation to uh, take it and run with it.
0: A huge part of the value of GADA's national conferences is the networking. For the first time this year, Goda will be hosting its Networking 360 event before the Contact Booth program. For viewers who aren't aware, can you tell us what that event is, why they should register, and why you're so excited to participate?
1: Well, Networking 360 is an experiment. We're trying something different this year, and we're doing it because we got feedback from a lot of our associate suppliers as well as distributors that um, sometimes during our contact group program uh, the same folks visit the same booths and we needed to mix it up a little bit and have some more serendipitous connections being made so that was the idea and um, the industrial partnering committee did an amazing job uh, months of hard work putting together a plan for how we could do this in the context of one of our national meetings Um, There have been some successful experiments with this at smaller meetings and other industry events, but this is the first time we've ever tried something like this at one of our large annual meetings. And uh, I think we've got a really good plan. It all rests on one thing though, we've got to get distributors to step up and participate. So we're gonna spend one hour before we go into the contact loop program, where distributors are stationary sitting at a table instead of the suppliers. And they will have a series of 10 five-minute meetings with suppliers some of those suppliers that may be already doing business with hopefully many of those suppliers will be people they're not currently doing business with so the idea is that we have a new connection new faces new opportunities for partnerships and that's what the networking 360 event is all about we'll carry all that energy uh, from those meetings into the contact booth and hopefully some of those five-minute conversations will lead to much longer conversations uh, during the contact booth as we find new partners. But I know that when when I go to one of these meetings as a distributor, the most important thing is uh, to form new relationships and new partnerships. I mean, there's no reason going to an industry event if we don't accomplish those two things. And I think this will really help us do that, to, to bring home some new relationships and new partnerships that we didn't come
0: to the meeting with. If networking is the yin of these shows, education is the yang. You have four great speakers lined up for the general session. Can you tell us a little bit about each of them?
1: Um, Sure thing. So let me just start and and talk to you a little bit about our our keynote speaker, uh, Major General Malcolm Frost, retired. Um, He is uh, an awesome individual who has spent a great deal of his career thinking intentionally about how to develop talent and leadership. Um, His last assignment in the Army, he was in charge of all of the Army's basic training. Um, that's a big, big job. And one that requires a lot of deliberate thought and structure. And one of the things I, I had, I spent four years in the military myself. And one of the things I noticed uh, in that context is there really is a thoughtful, deliberate approach to leadership development that sometimes you don't experience in the private sector. Um, so I think he can bring that perspective to us and help us think about as, as established leaders and as emerging leaders, um, what's the formula? for for developing uh, the leadership talent that we have on hand. He's gonna give a great keynote speech that will will address some of those issues, but he's also gonna take a deeper dive with a group of our young professionals, um, taking a tour to the Marine Basic Training there in San Diego, and then uh, doing an in-depth two-hour seminar um, with those young professionals that sign up for that event. I think that's gonna be an awesome opportunity um, for our young professionals to engage with somebody that is just ha- has an amazing leadership resume himself but also has a ton of experience in how to develop um, uh, prospective leaders for the future so really encourage people to sign up for that we've got a great great lineup for the rest of our our content as well on the first day um, one of the things that emerged during our planning conversations was that mental health was, um, sort of the elephant in the room. Um, a lot of us leaders are becoming aware of the fact that we're dealing with a mental health crisis in our country. And that mental health crisis is impacting us in the day-to-day of our business. It's impacting our employees. And frankly, it impacts us as leaders. So, um, one of the things that the young professionals on the planning committee made clear is that, Hey, you know, established leadership needs to address this issue and talk about it. And we're going to, to do that and have a meaningful conversation about mental health on that first day. Helping us out is Michaela Bucchianeri, who happens to be a clinical psychologist and also a wellness expert, and the wife of one of our distributor members, Kevin Falconer, Minneapolis Oxygen. So she has a vested interest in our industry, as well as having a deep background in mental health issues and how uh, businesses can better equip their employees in dealing with mental health crises and how leaders can deal with those crises more effectively and what kinds of programs we can put in place from an employee support uh, perspective that will prevent those crises from happening in the first place. So I think it's a really important conversation for our industry to have. And I, I think Michaela is absolutely the perfect person Um, to help us address that. Um, We're also gonna hear from one of the most exciting chief executive officers in our industry, and that's Jillian Ivanko at at Chart Industries. Um, Amazing dynamic leader, um, very skilled uh, speaker. And what's impressive to me is she is really um, pushing her company into emerging markets in our industry. So she's got a, a great forward focus, and I think that will be of great interest as we try to look into the future, what industries and markets are, are going to be impacting our businesses. She'll get a great perspective on that. And if you're a young professional out there wondering uh, what, what things you need to be thinking about and preparing yourself for, um, Jill Levanko, I think, will, will really set the stage well for that. Um, on the second day uh, in a di- our, our the second general business session, in addition to hearing from General Frost on the, on the theme of leadership, Um, We're also gonna have a panel discussion that is led by Dirk Beveridge. Um, If if any of you have encountered Dirk, I highly encourage you to follow him on social media, uh, Google him. He is unbelievably passionate about the distribution business and uh, the nobility of the distribution business and what it is that we're doing and how it impacts our communities and uh, the people that work inside our, our, our businesses. Um, Unbelievable passion and he's going to be leading a panel discussion on this subject of how uh, future leaders and perspective uh, and current leaders can affect a a better handoff um, for the health of their organizations. Um, Participating in that panel discussion, I'm really excited that uh, Jim and Nicole Kistler um, from uh, NORCO will be on hand and we're also going to hear from uh, Jim and Allie Earlbeck with Earlbeck Gasses. Um, all of them will participate in the panel discussion with Dirk about this issue of how we how we do a better job building the bridge. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Can you talk to us about this year's Gotta Gives Back recipient and how and why you decide to work with Alzheimer San Diego?
1: So really when Lauren and I approach this process, I mean, one of the great privileges of being in this role is that um, we have this task of selecting a local charity in the city that we're visiting during our annual convention. Um, and it's an awesome program. And our industry demonstrates again and again that they are incredibly generous. Um, I feel like we leave the cities behind uh, better than we found them. And I think God gets Back is a huge part of that. So we took that role real seriously. And, and Lauren and I thought that there were three really important criteria. Um, number one was stewardship. We needed to make sure that if we were gonna leave money in, in a charity's hands, that, that they had good financial controls, um, that the money that we gave them was really gonna have a significant impact on their programming, and that we knew it was gonna be spent in the local community. And I, And there's no question that Alzheimer's of San Diego, uh, very well-run organization um, uh, and very uh, safe place, I think, to, to entrust um, God is charitable giving. Um, the second thing I think was important was impact. We wanted to make sure that the charity had a big impact in the community that they served. Um, you know, dementia in all of its forms, not just Alzheimer's, but uh, wh- whether you're talking about um, Parkinson's disease or Lewy body dementia or Alzheimer's, um, they need a lot of support. The patients themselves need a lot of support, and their families need a lot of support. Um, it's, it's like a bond going off in your family when, when you discover uh, that somebody you love has dementia um, and you're wondering what's next, you know, what's the path forward? How do we, how do we meet um, this loved one's needs? Uh, Alzheimer's of San Diego does a phenomenal job of laying that out, um, great education programs, great outreach to dementia patients. Uh, some of this outreach is in the home. One of the things that absolutely astonished me is that 40% of the dementia sufferers in that San Diego area live alone at home? You know, think about that. So it's really important that there are intentional uh, and effective um, charities uh, and public services that are reaching those folks. So definitely will have a big impact. And, and the third thing was heart. You know, we wanted to make sure that whatever charity we chose uh, at a heart level, it, it communicated to everybody in the association, it was something that they felt good about supporting. And no doubt in my mind um, that uh, almost all of our members have had either direct or indirect experience with somebody suffering dementia, uh, somebody in their immediate family, uh, somebody in their extended family or a dear friend of theirs that has been affected by this. And um, so I thought at a heart level, this would be something that would translate well and that all of our members would feel good about supporting.
0: Bob, it sounds like this is going to be an incredible conference. Are there any last messages that you wanted to leave viewers with before we go today?
1: Uh, Two things. Number one, we're really excited about our our gala at the end. We're going to be on the deck of the USS Midway. We'll have a Top Gun theme, and that'll be a really fun evening. Uh, You'll have the opportunity to sit in some flight simulators and to see some vintage uh, naval equipment and it'll be a very patriotic evening in, a, in the beautiful bay there. Hopefully, uh, you know, San Diego weather almost always uh, participates well in these kind of events. So we're, uh, we think that's just gonna be a beautiful evening that will we'll make some memories there. And secondly, I would strongly encourage uh, everybody that's thinking about attending this meeting to bring along a young or emerging professional in your business. That's absolutely critical. I know from my own experience and from talking to so many others that it absolutely broadens your horizons. When you attend one of these national meetings for the first time, you realize what a big industry this is, how many players there are. You begin to develop your network and talking to other folks that are facing similar challenges to you. And you just go home with a totally different mindset and perspective than you came to that meeting with. So I highly encourage you, please bring your young and emerging professional uh, or professionals. Um, they'll have an impactful experience, it'll be memorable, and we'll have content that is geared at helping them develop their career and having a bigger impact in your business.
0: Bob, we can't wait to see you in San Diego. Thank you so much for being with us today. For more information about GADA's 2022 Annual Convention or to register, click the link in the description below or visit goda.org today. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and it all comes right after a word from today's presenting sponsor, Weldcoa. Joining us next today is industry veteran and CEO of Impact Speaking Dynamics, Art Waske, who recently celebrated his 50th anniversary in the industry. Art, we're honored to have you with us today. Art, you just celebrated your 50th anniversary in the industry. What was it that brought you to this industry half a century ago?
2: That's a, That goes back for some real history here. So I followed a brother to a small Christian college in East Texas, in Longview, Texas. and. Went to school there from 1968 to 1972. So I graduated in the spring of 1972. Uh, the major that I went for was mechanical engineering, and Laterno had an option with welding metallurgy, and we learned how to weld. So when I graduated, I went through the interviewing process that we all go through. And one of the interviews was a guy named Otto Binger, and he was with Airco Welding Products. And it was kind of interesting because he interviewed me i interviewed some others and then he actually asked to interview me again and he said "Out of all the people that interviewed uh, i'd like for you to come i'm hired one i'd like for you to come to work for airco and i said okay well, Otto, what would i be doing and he said well uh, you'd be selling welding products and my first impression was kind of looked this way and that way he said I Otto, I just crammed five years into foreign engineering, and you want me to sell welding products? So I didn't listen to him. I loaded up my LTD Ford, went back to Maryland, where I was from, and I took a job with a small company called lifegen And lifegen made a little round cylinder, so it's kind of interesting. I ended up really starting in the, in the, in the gas business, and there was a girth welder around it. So my... Uh, My tenure with them, which was short, was as a welding engineer. But what I realized, Steve, was I could not sit behind a desk. I was literally having anxiety attacks. In those days, we didn't know what they were. So I went to the engineering manager and I said, this one guy keeps calling me. Now, Otto knew a couple of things. In Houston, where the job offer was, uh, my girlfriend, to become my wife now in September of 50 years, Sandy was there. And the roommate from a year before me uh, was also with Airco Welding Products. So he, he kept bugging me. Um, I left Lotima LTD Ford uh, and headed t- to Houston, Texas. Uh, I was with them, and my first job was a sales engineer. And interesting enough, Steve, we called on distributors, and I was in North Texas. I had seven distributors that I was responsible for. As time would progress, uh, eventually, before I left them in 84, I was zone manager for Colorado, from Colorado, New Mexico to Florida. Uh, But I really found as my kids started growing up that I was gone way too much. So then I transitioned to general air service in Denver and was with them for 34 years and then most recently for three years consulting.
0: You've been a regular contributor to Welding and Gases Today magazine. You wrote an article for our third quarter issue entitled 50 Years in the Gas and Welding Business, A Digital Journey. You've had a front row seat to the digitization and modernization of our industry. Tell us about the changes that you've seen.
2: Well, we, we think about computers and digitalization, it was interesting because when I came to work for Airco, the first thing they did was put me in the warehouse so I began to know the products in the distribution system and then from there i went to customer service and in those days we had an ibm 370 so the way it worked was the sale the customer service person would write down on a on an order form what they wanted and then they would go to an actual foot high printout okay so as i looked at it i had had fortran in college in engineering and so i asked for a copy of the actually program and i took it home and i was able to to clean it up because the the way whoever had designed it really didn't know our industry that well so i was able to clean it up instead of foot high printout what we ended up was like four inches and and right away i was it was kind of the genius it was really out of my element but i had that background so uh, they ran the nightly run which the first thing you did you put in the the punch cards They'd run the program. And after that would happen, the computer would say, "Okay, now download the inventory. We download the inventory. It would print this again foot high. And then during the next day, we ran my program and it was four inches high. So that was my intro. Uh, The next thing I really remember about computers and, and our distribution, welding and gas distribution, was in about 1978, one of the distributors was finally gonna put in their first computer. I know it's hard to believe, but up till that point in distribution, everything was done manually. And they decided at the time the biggest one was still IBM. And IBM at that point in TAD had a microcomputer. And it was it actually had an operating system built in. We we think about that now and say, well yeah they all did. No, this that was the first one that had a built in operating system. But before IBM would do a presentation to the distributor, they required, and this was a new type of selling I'd never heard of before, but because it was called enterprise selling way back in the late 70s. And they required the CEO, the operations manager, so inventory and cylinders, the administrative uh, person, finance, payables, receivables, and then also the sales. Per, you know, customer purchasing, pricing and, and invoicing. And Airco uh, asked me to go up and to meet with the distributor and the distributor wanted me to look at the process too because this was a major investment for them. And, and so we went through it. They explained to each of those persons, what each of the people there, what the integration with their particular uh, responsibility would be and how it would work. So that was my first exposure and really in our area. And I was then assistant sales major for Colorado, New Mexico, uh, in Texas. And that was our first exposure to putting computers, uh, into the actual distribution side. Now, I mean, just a brief history of, 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 personal computing. So when I was with BOC, I was there 13 years from 72 to the end 84. But it wasn't until 1983 that they bought me my first personal computer, and it was an Apple II, okay? Apple IIe with floppy disk, And it was really word processing, very simple. We could do our quotes, but we weren't really using it that much. Well, the end of 84, I decided I wanted to transition out of traveling all the time. Our kids were nine, seven, and three. Uh, and I had an opportunity to join Gary Armstrong, who was taken over from his dad, small business, General Air, 28 employees, uh, three stores. Gary loved technology. He was more introvertive. I was kind of the extrovert. And we were 5 million in sales. Uh, when I left General Air in 18, 2018, we were 65 million. Uh, million and upwards to at one time 200 employees uh, then through the pandemic and other things they, they reduced it and then we had age stores and that was my 34 years and we went from a radio shack computer gary would get a new one give me the old one and then we had the macintosh which i called the computer in the box and i would strap this thing on my back and i would take it home and then eventually to dell with the laptop computers. And today I use a Microsoft Surface Book 2, then I have a backup Surface Pro 8. But now we'll talk a minute for just about the digital transformation that was going on through all this. So in the 90s, we had the World Wide Web and we had the first of the internet. And you can remember uh, if you were around then that it was the buzzing and the popping and we were paying for each minute we were on the internet. Uh, in the 2000s, from 2000 to 2010, it was the introduction of emails. In 2010, we started really building websites. We started the development of the smartphone. 2000, 2015 was, everybody knows it was cloud storage. So instead of having everything on your server and your businesses now, you were using the cloud to store things. And And we started with virtual calling. Uh, through the pandemic uh, and i'm going to talk about digital transformation the pandemic two words pandemic disruption um, major major changes and we started with a platform with robust erps in it the erp was the conductivity similar to the operating system that we started with uh, with microsoft now you had a business operating system that tied your computer to the cell phone to your customers to your vendors and to the whole world Um, and then e-commerce came along and e-commerce as developed today was all about the website your websites with b2b uh, business with your customers uh, seo search engine uh, optimization and searching so you can cross sell and then content so much to do with the what the suppliers would give to the distributor. And now you can see content with the revolving parts uh, and with media uh, involved with it. And then of course, on top of all this was artificial intelligence.
0: You've traveled the country working with distributors across our industry. What are the most significant changes that you see that our industry needs to continue to make as it pertains to sales and leadership?
2: It takes just a second to talk about the history of selling from like 1970. Uh, when I came on board with Airco, um, it was about convincing a decision maker. And what we used in those days were feature benefits. We'd kind of come in the first time we'd get them to stop talking. We were throwing product in front of them, talking about the features and benefits of the product. And it was what I call a shotgun approach. You you kind of shot at them and if enough pellets stuck to them, uh, they would maybe have an opportunity or you'd have an opportunity with them to sell them something. So we got to almost an adversarial relationship with purchasing because they really didn't want us as salespeople to waste their time. So in the 80s and 90s, we evolved into a relational cell. where we realized we had to start talking to to and getting them to tell us about themselves and, and build trust. I always say sales psychology is a reverse psychology. The more I can learn about the background of the person, uh, the more he trusts me. And because of that, they would eventually begin to tell you what their needs were. And then in the 2000s, between 2000 and 2010, it was solution selling. We'd ask for a tour and go into the back of the facility and look where we could save them money by doing some type of product enhancement. And then it started about 2010 to more of a consultative position where we started listening more and more and today it goes all the way back to what i saw at ibm when they were selling those micro computers in the 70s it is called enterprise selling it was it was reborn where we had to involve ourselves with all those key players and understand what their wants and needs were it brings me to uh, a presentation that I did last night for Gada Northeastern Regional called "Distributor Sales and the and the Digital Transformation." Uh, in that, I talk about uh, an interview that was done with Modern Distribution Management with Gary, with Larry Davis, with a Go Now CEO of a Go Now, and he brought an interesting phenomenon that he said was occurring. He said the salespeople outside salespeople will be moving from a quarterback to a scout using a football analogy and what he meant was instead of introducing products doing quotes pricing follow up on the inventory and sometimes collections all those now would be digitized through your erp i i also went to a blog uh with al Proton, and in that blog, uh, Benja, uh, Benji, COVID talked about the fact that 63% of what a what a distributor salesperson would do would would be doing now would be changing, and it would all be done automatically. And they would have to recreate themselves. And that's where the scout comes in, because the job of a scout for a professional team is to find out what the needs are in position of of the team and go out and scout and that requires a lot of questioning of the team itself Uh, and then the other word that comes to play in, in this digital transformation is called personalization and we'll be hearing that term more and more personalization is when the sales outside salesperson or inside sales through zoom or the other Vir- virtual technology, micro- Microsoft team, or zooming, uh, when they get the person on the phone, they're going to realize that the the millennials, the Y, uh, were raised with computers, they're going to do their own research themselves. Sometimes they're going to know more about the product than what the salesperson would be doing. And then the next generation, uh, that's the Y, then the Z generation, uh 19 born in 1996 to 2010 they're known as the digital literate okay uh they're called websters they know everything about what they need so obviously as you get involved with them uh, you have to realize you have to be developing what their needs are sometimes their needs are product sometimes what you'll want to do is if you're using e-commerce with them you want to bring your IT person and begin to do e-commerce and show them how to do it with their customers. Um, And again, the last reflection on this is the backbone of our industry of uh, gas and welding industry, what makes us different and what allows us to get back to simple, non-complex delivery products from an Amazon, for example, uh, will be the fact that we add something to the product. And it's got to be done locally. And it's got to be a personal relationship. So there's a continuum of digital transformation going on. And the more a distributor learns about building a a robust ERP and developing better e-commerce and better content, uh, the better they will be to compete in the marketplace.
0: Art, thank you so much for your time today and your expertise. We really appreciate it got Media is the go-to resource for news and information about the gases and welding industry. Through our wide variety of publication platforms, got Media keeps our members up to date on all of the most breaking news, emerging trends, and member events in the industry. Want to get your company's message seen? We have a quarterly print publication, a twice-monthly newsletter, an online buyer's guide, and a twice-monthly news show. If it's happening in gases and welding, it's happening on Gotta Media. Want to learn more? Contact your Gotta Media representative today. We are lucky enough to be joined next today by Gary Konarska, Executive Director and CEO of the American Welding Society. Gary, thank you for being back with us today.
3: Hi, Steve. Nice to see you again.
0: Gary, in today's economy, welding operations are always looking for ways to cut costs and increase productivity. The AWS has developed a training to help organizations achieve that goal. Could you tell me a little bit about that program?
3: Yeah, waste is an inherent problem in many businesses, and welding truly is no different. Now every year, welding manufacturing operations are losing millions upon millions of dollars in profits due to low productivity. To remain competitive, welding and fabrication businesses need to embrace process efficiency and continuous improvement. As we look at how AWS continues to support the welding community, we have actually developed something we're calling the Productivity Solutions Bundle. And what that is is essentially three different courses that are bundled together to give a very broad overview and a deep understanding of the cost of a welding operation so there's lean management for welding productivity the economics of welding and then a live webinar titled how to increase your facility's productivity
0: what type of content do these courses cover
3: so the first course is on lean management and so lean has been around for a long time and so we tried to take some of the basic principles of lean management. And then, how do we apply these principles into the welding environment? So, you know, the common, you, you know, lean tools like 5S, root cause analysis, SIPOC diagrams, you know, those are all included as a way to optimize a person's welding operations. The next course is the economics of welding. So, this is a much more in depth course than the lean management course. And this is really focused on identifying and measuring production costs to help ensure product quality and reduce expenses. The course is easy to understand, teaches participants, again, basic principles of lean, project management principles that can guarantee waste reduction, improve productivity, you know, identify different types of wastes. You know, how do you set up a pilot program, work with management to continue lean principles in the field. So the economics of welding is really going to give the the person that takes the course a real deep understanding of how do you cost out your welding and so by actually understanding how you truly cost out the welding then you can find opportunities to improve the productivity and therefore lower the cost of welding. the last course that we bundled together is this how to increase your facilities productivity so it's actually a series of six two-hour instructor-led live virtual webinars. So it's like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday over the course of two weeks, you know, the next one starting actually in September. But the course is centered around, again, reducing waste through quality assurance and control. So as you can kind of see, all of these different courses are all around how does a manufacturer either make more product with the same number of people or make the same amount of product with less people. So when you think about that equation, when we talk about productivity, that's the real key here is we have the shortage of welding professionals. We need to continue to support the welding community in different ways. And coming up with these productivity focused training courses is another way that AWS is helping to support.
0: Who do you think would most benefit from registering for the Productivity Solutions Bundle?
3: You know what's great is really anybody in the welding field can be, can highly benefit from the Solutions Bundle. Now, the obvious ones are, you know, business owners, supervisors of welding operations, you know, foremen, production managers. But, you know, one of the areas that we've uh, recently released a, a course on was on the solution selling for welding, right? So once you go to the next level, as you're a welding salesperson, you know, learning more and more about the cost of welding can make you even more and more valuable to your end user customers. So that's one area where we have not traditionally promoted these types of courses to the distributor salespeople, the OEM salespeople, but that's really an area where they can truly benefit from having this deeper understanding of how welding is costed out, which they can then come in with solutions to the end user customers that they're supporting.
0: For those who are interested in learning more about the Productivity Solutions Bundle, where can they find that information?
3: AWS.org, you know, that's where you'll find all of our different courses. In particular, this is aws.org PSB, Productivity Solutions Bundle. Uh, you'll, you'll go there and you'll see the website's in dire need of an update. Well, one of the things I'd also like to add is we are in the process of doing that. So AWS has a huge project to actually modernize our website. So when you go there, don't be surprised that it, it's not so modern today.
0: Is there anything else you want to share with viewers before we go today?
3: Uh, Yeah, Steve, so as the AWS continues to support the welding community, we've kind of got four focus areas. Productivity is one of those areas that we're talking about now, more courses, more advocation, more automation. So one of the things AWS, we've always supported automation, but we've never advocated and truly pushed that. So automated welding is going to be another solution to the shortage of welding professionals that we're facing. Awareness, we've done that for a long time. We'll continue on our advocacy efforts on the awareness side and then lastly the accessibility the continued scholarships the grants to the different welding schools the fellowships for phds you know those are kind of the four pillars that we're doing to try to bring more people to our great welding community and we look forward to partnering with gauda on those initiatives in the future
0: gary thank you for being with us again today we really appreciate it Today's member news segment is brought to you by Anthony Welded Products. With carts, cradles, cages and pallets, Anthony has a model for every purpose. O. E. Meyer announced that its chairman and 2012 and 2013 Goda president Craig Wood had retired after 52 years. Woody, we wish you well in retirement. Wright Brothers Inc. announced that Jeremy Ramage had joined the company as its CEO. Red Ball Oxygen announced plans to open a new location in Friendswood, Texas. The company expects the new location to be online in early 2023. SureWorks USA welcomed Aideen Prince and Jose Zavala to the company. Aideen joins the company as a territory account manager for the Southwest, while Jose will be the territory account manager for the Western Region. Norco announced that Larry Booth has been named Executive Vice President of its industrial division. Larry was most recently Norco's welding and automation product manager, and he brings 37 years of experience to this new role. Radarman Manufacturing welcomed Eric Mensick to its Cryogenic team as a Cryogenic Outside Sales Account Manager. Hahn Welding Supply announced that Grant Hanlon had retired after 36 years with the company. We wish you well in your retirement, Grant. To read more about any of these member news items, or to submit member news of your own, read the full July 15th Gauda Connection in your email inbox today, or by clicking the link in the description below. And that's our show for this week. Before we go, we want to announce some new and exciting changes to the structure of GODA TV. Going forward, we will be moving from two episodes per month on the 1st and 15th, to one episode each month. Instead of the second episode of each month, we will be uploading that month's episode as a podcast. We're very excited about this development and feel that it will allow our members to hear and enjoy these interviews much more freely. Rather than being confined to the computer and on YouTube, you can now enjoy each episode on the go. In the car, while mowing the lawn, or even while working out. Much more to come on this new development. For more information, make sure to be on the lookout in upcoming GATA Connections. And until next time, for all of us here at GATA Media, this is Steve almost signing off.